You don't go over there and shake hands, smile, hug their neck. Let's knock them on their backs, butt them in the mouth, knock their ass in the dirt. That's what we got to do. You got to stop that buddy ball, smash everybody in the mouth. Take the running backs to the stand, run up in the stands and slap their mama. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. It is showtime, baby. Here we go. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Going to be fielded by Lorenzo Neal at the 25. Yeah, give Pitches it, to... it back to Wycheck. He throws it across the field to Dyson. He's got something. 30, He's got 40, something. 50, He's got it. 40, He's got it. 20, 10, He's got it. End zone. The doctor is now in. Hour number two coming your way. T.C. Martin Show streaming live, of course, tcmartinshow.com. Check out the website for the latest blogs. You can check out our Golden Knights coverage from last night. Also, we got the interviews that are up there, the featured interview, and check out the new revamped interview pages. We got the most recent interviews. The best of, so to speak, uh, from the show over the last uh, month or so. So check those out. If you missed any of those great interviews, check that out. And also go to the Classics page as well, too. We've got some great ones from the past as well up there. For example, like Dusty Baker and Lennox Lewis, Frank Caliendo, and the list goes on and on. So uh, check out that uh, under the interview page, tcmartinshow.com. All right. Trevor Maddich, our guy. From ESPN, does a fantastic job, of course, with the as a college football analyst and also covers the NFL with the Washington Football Club. The 15-time Emmy Award winner. This is considered his off-season, but I know, Trevor, there's never an off-season. What is going on, my man? Hey, TC, there is never an off-season. Thank goodness. There's only an occasional nap during the perpetual 12-month season. <laughs> the, the occasional nap, is that right? So you're one of these, exactly right. are you one of these power nap type of guys that you can just go down for like uh, there at the in Bristol, Connecticut, ESPN, you got, okay, give me a cut. I got to go down for 20 and then I'm back and I'm reinvigorated and ready to go. Are you one of those guys? You know what? I am deeply envious of the University of Oregon's nap room. Oh, really? The University of Oregon, part of their football complex, and they're not the only ones now, others do, but this is, this is unbelievable. There are these tables that are like chaise lounges, except they're, you know, they're, they're substantial and they're padded and they're wonderful. And what you do is you kind of lay in there and then you pull this bubble that covers the upper half of your body. So people can't like throw peanuts at you while you're sleeping, right? So your legs basically are sticking out. And in this bubble, you've got lighting, you've got music, you can make it massage you, the chair and everything else. And you can nap there absolutely in luxury. Now, Clemson's nap room is interesting to look at, but it's nothing like Oregon. It's just like a square room, and it's got, like, bunk beds and a few, you know, easy, uh, um, what are they called, recliner chairs and stuff like that. And I worry about that because I don't want to be in the bunk bed because I don't want to sleep on somebody else's bedding. you know. And I don't want to be in the recliner chair because then I fall asleep, my mouth goes open, and my teammates are throwing peanuts in my mouth. You know? <laughs> so Oregon, it, it's like you're sleeping in a specialized pod in the Starship Enterprise. Now, the reason I say all that, TC, is that I would love for my place of work to have something like that because I get so tired, I will literally go find offices in the basement, well, you know, cubicle areas, and find a cubicle that doesn't look like anybody works there. And I'll take a power nap in that cubicle. 
And like one of my favorite ones, uh, it was my go-to cubicle. I went down there one day, and all of a sudden there were pictures of like a dog and a couple of kids. And I'm like, oh, no. You know, because you don't want to do that to somebody. Take a nap in their cubicle with a picture of their dog and kids up on the wall. So anyway, so that's the long answer to a short question, yes. So it sounds like at Oregon, they don't just do it. They do it right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what they will tell you. <laughs> if you go there and try to be recruited, see most uh, instead of taking you out to a party, they'll say, "Let's take you for a nap." That'll make you want to come. Here. You know, while you're telling that story, Trevor, I saw uh, a story on this, and it might have been HBO Real Sports. I think it's because I love the the stuff that those guys do over there. And I think I saw this Oregon nap room while you're describing it. And then there, were, like you mentioned, there were other places and other universities and other even NFL clubs uh, that have this as part of their facilities and, and stadiums as well, too. And, yes, and, and we know about the, you know, the chambers where you're going to ice uh, down and, you're, you know, the therapeutic chambers and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, the, the nap pods or the nap rooms, I think that's what they call them, the nap pods, something special there. Well, it matters. And, and, and I'm sure almost everybody listening to us right now is nodding their head when they're saying, yeah, I wish there was a place where I work where I could just take a 20-minute nap. As a matter of fact, let it be my coffee break. Let it be my lunch hour. Although 40 minutes I'll have lunch, 20 minutes I'll sleep if there's a place that I can do it without a coworker throwing peanuts in my mouth and, or taking pictures of me and putting them up on their Instagram account. Right. You know? and, so, and so really I think you get more production out of people, especially in the afternoon when they're more rested and, and with all the pressures of life today, I mean, after all, you've got to be up on your Facebook page, keeping up your social media account deep into the night. You, you lose a lot of sleep that way. So if you can take a nap at work, it's a good thing. And I believe I saw that at the, the Google offices when they did the movie, what was it? The internship, right? With Vince Vaughn. We saw that. We saw the nap pods. I saw a nap pod there. There it is. Huge. Well, yeah, that may have been it. Vince Vaughn. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the, and I'm what, and, I, and actually Numchuck just got the, the Oregon uh, room here. This you're right. This is like you're in a scene from Battlestar Galactica, lost in space for those old school people. That and it kind of looks like uh, the Oregon helmets that they have there that you're sleeping in. You know that's yeah. sil- that silver nonsense. Very nice. Good. Yeah. Isn't it great? I mean, doesn't that just make you tired? Oh, just it makes looking me tired. At it? I'm ready to inter- yeah. end this interview right now and go get some, uh, uh, you know, some popcorn or something and take a nap. Yeah, I was afraid to describe that with too much detail because I don't want people driving down the freeway right now falling asleep at the wheel. All right, my friend, let's talk about the Washington football team. They are talking about releasing quarterback Alex Smith. Washington would take a $24.4 million cap hit. Washington says they'll save about $14.7 million by releasing him. Give me your thoughts here. We understand he went through the you know, the severe injury he battled back. Uh, his season was cut short again. Didn't get a, a chance to you know, par- partake in the playoffs here. Uh, Alex Smith, no longer a Redskin. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, and this really breaks my heart because he's come out publicly and, and, and expressed his displeasure, shall we say, saying that they never wanted him to come back from the injury and they didn't want him to be the quarterback. And, you know, and uh, just he, he feels like they're not treating him right. And I just hate it that it's come to this kind of, of feeling. And if this is the end, I hate that this is the way it's ending because it's one of the great comeback stories in recent memory in the NFL. I mean, he, he broke his leg a couple of years ago so severely that he almost lost his leg. And, it, you know, he, he was able to, I don't know how many surgeries he had, worked out with our wounded warriors, 
because that was the kind of devastating injury that that leg had. He broke it in I don't know how many places, stick it out of the skin. It was terrible. He fought his way back and ended up going 5-1 and one as a starter for Washington this year. Without him, Washington would not have won the division and made the playoffs. But in that playoff game, by the time the end of the year came around, he had a special brace on his injured leg that went down the back of his calf, around his heel, and up across the bottom of his foot. And it wasn't there to support the bone. The bone is basically a titanium rod at this point. It was there because he was losing control of his foot and it was flopping around. So I had to sort of support the foot, right? And he couldn't move to protect himself. The only way he could protect himself was to get the ball out of his hand quickly. And, you know, it's just, but he still went out there and played. And that story is astonishing. And if he thought that that was his last, you know, season, then it would be perfect. If he wants to keep playing and the team thinks it's his last season, then it's actually super ugly way for a great a great comeback to end. Now I don't blame Washington. They need to do what's right for the other guys in that locker room, and that means they need to maximize their cap space and they need to have the best roster put together that they can, regardless of the emotions of it. But man, the emotions of it break my heart. When it comes to Alex Smith, and certainly it's a great story, and it seems like it'll probably be made into a movie or something at some point, or at the minimum, uh, 30 for 30 or E60 or something down the road. But when it comes to him, do you see somebody else giving him a shot because of the story, because he is a veteran leader? And even if you're solid at the quarterback position, it would almost be like, worst-case scenario, another coach on the sideline for you? Yeah, see, he'd be a guy that would be great at a place like the Jets where you've got a young quarterback, Sam Donald, that still just doesn't know what's going on, but he has all the talent in the world. Uh, they're trying to build up weapons around him, protection around him. They're, they're getting a little better at that now. But Adam Gase, the coach, um, there's no longer there with the Jets. You know, he was the one that was at Miami uh, when Ryan Tannehill was a high first-round draft choice there in Tannehill. The Dolphins gave up on Tannehill. They didn't think he could play under Gase. And what, did, what does he do? He goes to Tennessee, and all of a sudden, wow, he's franchise quarterback. Well, same guy, Adam Gase, is up there with the Jets at the beginning of Sam Darnold's career. And Darnold doesn't do a darn thing. Uh, and all of a sudden, Gase is gone. they got a new head coach. Let's see what, that, what happens with Darnold. But a guy like an Alex Smith, to be a mentor to, to Darnold would be phenomenal. I mean, let him be your third quarterback. Um, and without expectation to get on the field unless there's injuries, if he's willing to do that, and and let him finish his legacy mentoring another quarterback into possible greatness. Keep in mind that when he was uh, he Alex Smith, you know, you know the 49ers, they brought in who's he bring in uh, another quarterback take his place. He mentored him, and then he ends up at the Chiefs, and they bring in in the first round. And he does well at the Chiefs. They bring in Patrick Mahomes, so he mentors Patrick Mahomes and actually taught Patrick Mahomes good stuff. It's not like he did the minimum. He really, really went the extra mile to help Mahomes start his career. Mahomes still speaks so uh, tremendously um, complimentary about uh, about Alex. And so Alex then gets dealt off to, the, to Washington, and I think if that ends badly there, going to a place like the Jets will allow him to cement that legacy is not just – a very solid Pro Bowl caliber quarterback, but a guy that has mentored some of the game's current best players. And I would love to see him have an opportunity to do that. And then have an opportunity to play if there's injuries, you know. 
Yeah, it's a great feel-good story and a, and a great quarterback as well, too. And you look at his record with Washington, he was 11-5. and five. I don't think a lot of people realize that. I mean, he was still clearly their best quarterback, best option. Now they're going to go for the cheap. They're going to go Tyler Heineke. And, uh, again, we have, what, one game to, to judge him by, but it looks like Washington's going to go with him. Here's a little trivia. Want to play a little trivia, Trevor? Trivia with Trevor. You like that? You know, we got Trevor's like road trips. How about a little trivia with Trevor? Are you, are you good for this? I, I, I'm good. I'm not good at trivia, but, but I like the title. Well, okay. So here we go. With Trevor with, uh, tri- we got any Trevor with trivia, uh, uh, tri- trivia with Trevor music there? Anything there? Okay. You come up with something. I'm How about just Trevor trivia? Trevor trivia. I like Make that. it nice and easy. Yeah. It flows off easier. <laughs> Trevor trivia. All right. Trevor, since you do cover the Washington football team, and you know this team pretty well, Name the quarterbacks since Kirk Cousins left. You know, it don't have to be any specific order, but give me those guys that started games after Kirk Cousins till Alex Smith. Here's Trevor Madge, you know, ladies I, and gentlemen. I have I have blocked most of it out of my memory because it was so horrific. Yes. I know that Mark Sanchez was one of them. I mean, think about that. Who, who would get that one? You're, you're one for right? one. And he, he yeah. only started one game. He was 0 for 1. That was the long shot. So, okay, you're one for one, my friend. Yeah, I got that one. Of course, we have Alex Smith, Kyle Allen, Taylor Heineke, um, and Dwayne Haskins this year. And then, let's see, who was before that, though? The Mark Sanchez year, there were like four guys. One of them, they signed off of a, you know, a guy that was bagging groceries. Um, and, uh, oh, for goodness sake. So I'm going to stop there instead of just bumble around. Nah, saying, nah, you I don't got know. you got four more. I got faith in in you. I, you, got, you got four oh, more. I got four more. Uh, okay, so since and they were yeah. Thinking? Just so here's your clue. They were after Mark Sanchez and before Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, yeah. Last no, I'm going to have to bow out right now because I'm my. Keep in mind, I got hit for I got hit in the head for a living for 12 years. The fact that that I could find my phone for today's interview. <laughs> Is maybe a nap in a pond would help. Uh, Kyle Allen. You remember him, right? Yeah, no, I said him. He was this year. You, you just say that, yeah. Uh, oh, last year. Yeah. Case Keenum. Oh, that's right. Case Keenum. Wow. You, you know what his Remember record was as a member of the Washington football team? He was one, one and seven with them, yeah. Wow. And, so you're saying he won, he won an NFL game. He, yeah, and, uh, and this guy didn't. Colt McCoy. He oh, was, I love Colt McCoy. Yeah. And then finally, no. and finally, I believe the the guy that came from Georgia Tech, uh, Josh Johnson. That was the guy. Yeah, yeah, that that was the guy. Yeah, I mean, he he did his level best, uh, but he was he was not in a position to succeed there. None of them were really. No, I mean, really, since I don't know who Joe Theismann left. <laughs> what quarterback has been in a position to win there? Exactly. Uh, I, I can't think of many. There is, he is Trevor Maddich, ESPN. We're talking a little NFL with Trevor today. Okay, the big news yesterday, J.J. Watt signs with the Arizona Cardinals, a two-year deal, $31 million, $23 million guaranteed. We know that Watt was released uh, by the Houston Texans back uh, February the 12th. Uh, give us your thoughts about J.J. Watt. Why the Cardinals, Trevor? Surprises me because I thought he's, his first priority was winning a Super Bowl. And it looked to me like if the first priority is winning the Super Bowl, there's two places to go. I mean, considering his age, his injury, injury history, you know, he's got to be in the next two years or so. Uh, one of them would be Tampa. 
you know, Tampa, their defensive line, they're going to have to replace a couple guys. But, you know, their offensive line, which has been a work in progress, is, is getting better, right? The, the second year under Brady, the, the offense will do better because they'll know what to do. I mean, early in the season, they were trying to go down the field all the time, and Brady did it. Uh, he was pretty good at it. But finally, partway through the season, he was able to convince Bruce Arians, his coach, to, to have some more intermediate and short throws built in so that he could do, do more things. And when they did that, basically, Brady said, look, these are the things we do well. We do this, this, and this well. Why don't we just do those things? And I think once they kind of got into that, the offense really took off. Well, an offseason of that and starting next season that way, the offense is going to be terrific. Um, defense will get better. They had a lot of young guys in the secondary. They just got to make sure they can get their, their D-line rebuilt, especially if they, they lose Shaq Barrett, the pass rusher. Anyway. I thought he could go there on the cheap and have a pretty darn good chance to at least be in the Super Bowl in at least one of the next two years. He didn't do it. I thought he could go to Green Bay. Same kind of thing. You know, for Green Bay, it's a matter of their defense, not their offense, although they need more weapons. Um, they need a deeper wide receiver core. But uh, I thought in the last year or two of Aaron Rodgers, that would be the place to go. So the fact that he went to an 8-8 eight eight team with an up-and-coming quarterback – puts up a lot of numbers, but a team with a lot of holes in it. It was very interesting to me. And, and part of the reason might be that as a, as a guy at his age with his injury history, getting $23 million guaranteed in a two-year deal, uh, maybe that usurped a little bit of the importance of winning a Super Bowl. You know, Trevor, when it comes to uh, players, a lot of them are really attached to their numbers some of them aren't. We know Tom Brady wanted 12 in Tampa Bay. Carson Wentz apparently is willing to get let 11 go. J.J. Watt, number 99, when he went to Arizona, and I don't know that everybody's aware of this, that number is retired with the Cardinals organization. Marshall Goldberg, back in the 1940s, actually drafted in 1939 when they were the Chicago Cardinals, was a two-way player for them. That number is retired. However, J.J. talked to his daughter, Ellen Goldberg, and she has given him the blessing, even though that number is retired, the Cardinals are bringing 99 out of retirement for J.J. Watt. What do you think of that move? Because I think it's a good move because J.J. gets the number that everybody knows him as, and now people are talking about Marshall Goldberg again when probably a lot of people weren't even aware that he existed. That, that right there mm-hmm. is the thing that makes it a genius move by his daughter. It was gracious of her. But also it was absolutely brilliant of her because you're right. Now they're talking about him again. And J.J. Watt does have the ability to elevate this defense and this team. He, he sort of is the Tom Brady of the defensive side of the ball. Tom Brady with his expectations of the offense, expectations of how everybody will practice, how he holds everybody accountable in preparation is one of the things that, that elevated that Tampa offense. And, and Watt is the kind of guy that does the same thing on defense. Keep in mind that what really hurt the Cardinals last year, really the entire team, not just the defense, was the defense having so many penalties in key moments or the defense having somebody out of position or missing an assignment in situational football, like a key third down or a key play in the red zone. Somebody just messed up. And more discipline in those things will make them better on defense, even if they don't change much personnel, much less what Watt can bring to the table, you know, when the ball is snapped. And so, you know, these are, these are reasons why, um, you know, Watt will make that team better. And the fact that now, you know, you talk about, you know, bringing 99 out of retirement, 
you know, he's now the face of the franchise, second only to Kyler Murray, the quarterback. All these things are really good. Now, I'm not saying that the Cardinals can't rise up and win the Super Bowl, but I'm thinking that if they use Watt well, in other words, if they don't wear him out, you know, they need guys that can set the edge on the run. They weren't very good at that last year. Watt is really good at that. But do you really want him using up his quarterback disruption abilities uh, by getting himself worn out, setting the edge on the run all the time, right? So let him play 40 plays a game, right? Get more d linemen in there to rotate in. Um, he's making a ton of money now. And really, it's a, it's a two- to three-year window for Watt to get to the Super Bowl with this team. Because Colin Murray's on his rookie contract, heading into his third season, I believe. So um, once they have to pay Kyler Murray, then the Cardinals will start to become the Seahawks. When they had Russell Wilson on his rookie contract and other guys on defense especially that were just phenomenal players, future pro bowlers, current pro bowlers, who were on their rookie contracts and being woefully underpaid. But what really tipped the dominoes for them, they go to a couple of Super Bowls, and then Russell Wilson has to get paid. Now you're making choices as to who you got to get rid of in order to clear the cap space. Well, for the next couple of years, Watt doesn't have to worry about that. The Cardinals don't have to worry about that. But once they have to pay Kyler Murray, then all of a sudden they got to make choices with aging defenders. You know, so if he stays with the Cardinals after this two-year contract, it'll have to be at a, at a, a salary that to him will seem like he's playing for free. So really, they've got to they've got to get there in the next two years for everything he wants to work out. Trevor, you, you brought up uh, Kyler Murray, you brought up uh, the quarterback situation, and these quarterbacks commanding a lot of money and making some choices here. I want to ask you about three different quarterbacks, and you just brought up one of them. So let's start there with Russell Wilson. We've heard talk that he may want out of Seattle, or Seattle may want to part ways with him. Uh, give us your gut feeling right now. What happens with Russell Wilson? Does he stay in Seattle? You know, I don't know that he'll stay in Seattle. I don't know that they'll get rid of him right now. Because he's not doing uh, what uh, Deshaun Watson is doing in Houston. The quarterback for, for the Texans, he said he's not going to play. He doesn't care what they do, what they say. He's done. As a matter of fact, I think what set the ball rolling to him digging in his heels was when they traded away his top receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, to Arizona. And he was lighting up secondaries in Arizona with Kyler Murray instead of in Houston with Deshaun Watson, well, you don't see Russell Wilson saying the same kind of thing right now. He's saying, yeah, I could stay here, but then he named four teams he wants that he would go to. He'd be willing to be traded to. One of them, of course, being the Raiders, uh, which I don't think would be a good move for the Raiders necessarily. But um, I think that, um, you know, I, I expect him to probably play out this contract and then force his way out, much like the guy you mentioned, Kirk Cousins forced his way out of Washington. You know, they weren't willing to, to do what Cousins wanted, so he ended up signing a franchise tag, then another franchise tag. They couldn't get to the third one. would have been too expensive, so they had to just turn him loose as an unrestricted free agent. And so the uh, I, I, I see the Russell Wilson era in Seattle, if it's going to end, ending in a similar way that Cousins did in Washington. But keep in mind this with Russell Wilson. Seattle is a good program. Seattle is relevant. Seattle is a contender. I will continue to be. But Seattle is in Seattle. And Russell Wilson is a big star. His wife is a, a big famous singer. And remember that Wayne Gretzky went from playing hockey in Canada to L.A. because his wife was an actress. 
right? That goes back before most people's time that's listening right now. But now that quarterbacks are able to force their way out of some teams and into other teams, they've got a lot more power now than they ever have just in recent weeks, it seems. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Russell Wilson is kind of looking for a place where he can maximize his endorsement deals and, and his off-field future at the same time that his wife doesn't have to be up there competing with Pearl Jam up in the Pacific Northwest. And we saw LeBron James do that. That's why he ended up with the Lakers. He yeah. wanted to come to L.A. for his you know, his, his uh, film and entertainment company and wanted his kid to, to go to school in that area. And, and so, yeah, there's no doubt about that. Dak Prescott. The Cowboys, they're still so far apart. And the Cowboys have another decision to make here coming up in a couple weeks. They're going to put another franchise tag on him, and it's over and over again. I mean, this story is just, it's it's like eerie similar, eerily similar every year at this time. What do they do? Well, what they're going to have to do now is break the bank because he's not going to stay unless they do. Do you want him, though, Trevor? Just... Say if you're, if you're Jerry Jones or you're running this team, do you want Dak Prescott for that amount of money? Do you want him to basically finish his career there? Or do you want to go in a different direction? What's your, what's your value of him? Uh, I would want him at the price they could have gotten him for two years ago, even, even a year ago. But now I think he feels disrespected. And so I think that he, he's not going to take less. You know, Patrick Mahomes is getting, what is it, $45, $45 million a year? Right, um, and so I think somewhere in the vicinity of forty million is what Prescott's going to demand at the Cowboys. I think he might even take less somewhere else, just because at this point, you know, they, they have not stepped up and shown him that they respect him. And for players, there, there's more to respect than just money. But without the money, you won't feel respected at all. They did the the deal. They signed Ezekiel Elliott, running back, to a, a massive deal before. They signed their franchise quarterback, Dak Prescott, to a deal. And it's just drug on and on and on. And so, you know, what's his value right now? Uh, I don't know that he's a $40 million guy. I think I would prefer to start over again, draft a quarterback, and get that $40 million uh, allocated in salary cap to other people in other positions while I'm developing that young quarterback. Or with quarterbacks moving around right now, maybe get a guy. You know, I wouldn't want to trade the 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 world away for Russell Wilson, which is what it would take. So I still wouldn't want to lose that draft capital. But the Cowboys have so many more problems other than quarterback. And so if I were them, I wouldn't pay Dak Prescott $40 million. I just wouldn't do it. I'd give him 30 but I wouldn't give him 40 All right, Trevor Maddich, ladies and gentlemen, does a great job at ESPN, the college football side, also the NFL with the Washington Football Club, a plethora of information. Trevor, we know that football is your favorite topic your favorite time of year but we also know that a close second is coming up here in a couple weeks my friend and you know where i'm going with this right it is back ladies and gentlemen trevor maddich participating in serial madness once again yes my friend it is time we and 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 with you today we are starting to take our nominees you are familiar with this. You were a staple in this last year, my friend, and uh, helping us determine the winner. So it's time for us to take our nominations from our guests, our astute guests, like yourself. Trevor Maddich, who are you nominating to put in that bracket under your name for Serial Madness 2021? Well, 
Can I, can I go with chalk here, or do I need to kind of get off the radar a little bit? You can do whatever you want. It is your go-to cereal. We'll place the seating wherever, but it is your choice, my friend. Okay, and since you're giving me that, I'm going with last year's champion, Honey Nut Cheerios. Oh, okay. There we go. Honey Nut Cheerios. But, okay, but? Going, but going off the radar, I think a, 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 an under-respected cereal is for loops. Under-respected? The milk? Yeah, the milk that is flavored by having fruit loops in it is astonishing. It is amazing. Matter of fact, I would put fruit loops in milk, strain the fruit loops out, and just drink that milk. That's how good that milk is. And then you put the the, the cereal on top of it. Oh, that's luscious. But I've got to go with the Tom Brady of cereals if I'm going to be the first to have the first pick of the draft. Yeah. And I've got to go with the defending champ. Okay, and, and that's great. And we know that Fruit Loops will get nominated. That will get in. And I remember you last year, I think you eloquently described it just like you did right there about that milk in the Fruit Loops. And again, oh, the, I did? The, yeah, I, I think, right. I think, I mean, again, you, you broke it down like only Trevor Maddich can break down, you know, the X's and O's of, of a, of a blitz scheme. And that's why you did it with the cereal last year. So yeah, I, I, I agree with yeah. you. Though. Yeah. And Captain Crunch will be nominated too, but I would go with the crunch berries. I wouldn't go with plain Captain Crunch. Although, you know, there's peanut butter, Captain Crunch, all the rest of it. But just Captain Crunch leaves the roof of my mouth kind of raw. I don't it know does. why that is. Does that happened to you too? It, 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 they they could get uh, an early exit this year because of that because that is a factor. But man, but that's kind of like it's kind of like you know I, I don't drink, but friends of mine that do like they'll go out or at least you know they used to they'll go out on a on a Friday night and they'll have too much of stuff that's too strong. They'll wake up the next morning with a hangover and they will say the immortal words, "I will never do that again as long as I live." And then next Friday, they're out doing the same thing. Captain Crunch is the same way. You know, it, it makes you regret it in some ways because of the roof of the mouth thing yeah. that I certainly experienced. I don't know if everybody does. But next time I want cereal, I forgive Captain Crunch. <laughs> and, and that is one, I think, that you have to bury in milk. That's the one you've got. And, and one of our, our, our great guests actually said that last year. They, you had to let it, let it sit for maybe three or four minutes before you really dive into it because of that uh, roof of the mouth factor. Yeah. Well, I will tell you an underrated one that will not make the competition. <laughs> okay. And we are expanding Ka- this year, too. Kashi, yeah. The Kashi Cinnamon Biscuits. What? Um, I, yeah, they're like, they're like wheat. It's Kashi, so it's a brand that's like whole grains. It's like you know healthy and all that stuff. And they're like little biscuits, like uh, little biscuits. And they are cinnamon flavored and they have brown sugar and stuff like that. And you know what? Those feel good to eat. They feel healthy and you're eating whole wheat. And so you can talk yourself out of how bad the sugar in it is by convincing yourself that the whole wheat makes up for it. Now, I'm not sure if it does or not, but I can tell you that that cereal I will buy just because I like it so much. And it's healthy. What's the matter with me? I'm an adult. Trevor managed going international on us. You gotta love it. Yes, Kashi. All right. Maybe that's a sleeper yeah. for the NIT of cereal madness. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Yes. yes. The, the best of the worst. Yeah. The best of the rest. That's awesome. Or as you say, the 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 alternate teams in the NCAA. Did you hear this, Trevor? That the the NCA is going with their 68 teams, but they're fearful of COVID, so they're going to have like alternate teams like waiting in the wings in Indianapolis. Only somebody... in round one. Only yeah. in round one. But right. still, there's going to be alternate teams. Yeah. Yes. So there's there's your alternate yes. cereal, my friend. There you go. So the thing is. Everybody has eaten all these favorites, and they love all these favorites for good reason. Mm-hmm. But if they ever gave 
this dark horse a chance. They may have their vision opened to new horizons. So I, I think uh, everyone heard that last five minutes of how Trevor managed broke down just the nomination serial. I think it's safe to say that Trevor Trevor's back. He he's ready for serial madness to being a featured panelist. Hey, I'm in it to win it. There you go. I, I just found it's it like interesting. It's like Survivor, man. I'm not in it to come in second place, people. I just think it was astounding how you broke down the Fruit Loops and the, the multicolored rainbow milk and everything that you get out of it. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's just, oh. Matter of fact, it makes me want to run down to the store and get some right now. I just may do that. Pace yourself, my man. We're going to have about uh, four weeks of this uh, talk, so uh, we, we appreciate you as always, my friend. And, and uh, when people were screaming to bring back the Serial Madness, uh, your name was at the top of the list. Trevor has got to be involved in this. So you're, you're well, back. I appreciate that. And let's bring everything full circle. Yes. When you eat an entire box of Fruit Loops and a gallon of milk that you have to eat to make it all work out, then you need to take a nap in the Oregon nap box. There it is, my friend. There it is. There it is. You're welcome. I think uh, we need – yeah. There's Nunchuck. Nunchuck has been sleeping this entire segment. Look at this. Unbelievable. Is that a bear hybrid rating or something? <laughs> Where is Sergeant Hulka when you need him? Wake that soldier up, Sergeant Hulka. Tweak his big toe. Yeah, right. What is your major malfunction, numbnuts? <laughs> that actually was not Sergeant Hulka, but we'll go with it anyway. It wasn't Sergeant Slaughter either, but it was Sergeant Somebody. <laughs> All right, my friend. Great stuff as usual, Trevor. Appreciate uh, the knowledge, the energy, the entertainment value. You can't beat it. Uh, you guys are great, man. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Take care, brother. Be good. There it is. Tell Dana Dane hello and howdy doody and, and enjoy breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Trevor Maddich. Gotta love it. All right. We come back. We talk VGK last night's amazing comeback victory. Get out that ghetto blaster. There's more in store around your door and more of what you're looking for with the Dr. T.C. Martin. Don't forget, get on over to the William Hill Sportsbooks. Go check us out at the Cosmopolitan on Friday. Deposit some money in your account. You start with downloading the William Hill mobile app on your phone. That's what you do first. Open a new account. Deposit at least $50 into a new account. And boom, they're going to match it with an additional $50. Bucks. Very, very simple to do. So that $50 turns into a Hunsky. Is Hunsky a thing? Probably not. A Benjamin? Whatever. $100. Sounds like a Winter Olympic sport, hunting and skiing. Yeah. Let's go Hunsky. Hunsky. There you go. <laughs> I like Hetsky, though. Hetsky's good. All right. Oh, we went back to the cock story again. There you go. You, just, you don't know where we're going to go today. William Hill mobile app. Download it. Deposit at least $50 into the account, and they'll match it with additional $50. you got to use the promo code TC50. That's it. That's the promo code TC50. And uh, get involved with the William Hill mobile app. So easy to use. Basically, you can bet anything except serial madness. Exactly. But... You know, if we talk to Nick Bogdanovich, maybe we can get it on the board. You better talk to the Nevada Gaming Commission about that one. <laughs> You're killing me, Smalls. Wait a minute. I mean, you could bet on the Golden Globes and all this other nonsense you weren't able to before. I bet if we petition this now, we can get Serial Madness on the books. Remember before gambling became legal all over the place and everybody embraced it, when you'd see all these shows across every city, national shows and everything else, and they all said, here's the uh, lines for entertainment purposes only. Yes. And it was always like the biggest joke. It's like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, know what I mean? Right. Entertainment only. 
Yeah, these are the lines. That started going <laughs> way back. You know, we're old enough to remember Jimmy the Greek on CBS when they would do it. And the I'll NFL go and back CBS. before Jimmy the Greek. Yeah. Okay. Um, Johnny Morris. Go ahead, on, go ahead and show your age. Okay. Johnny Morris on WBBM, which is Channel 2 News back uh, there, when Brent Musburger was one of the sports anchors doing the local right. sports scenes back there, Johnny Morris and his wife Jeannie used to have the Blue Plate special every Saturday going into the weekend. He would pick two or three games, and she would pick a couple, and he would say, and here's the betting lines from Vegas for entertainment purposes right. only, but he would always give his Blue Plate special picks for the NFL the following day wow there you go there you go that's good stuff (laughs) great local television there all right speaking of local hockey vegas golden knights they welcome back fans to t-mobile arena last night with a huge comeback win remember we talked about yesterday it was 363 days that uh last time the fans were allowed in the fortress 15 percent capacity 2600 fans were in attendance last night I got to really check this out last night. You know, my whole mission of going to the game last night was just to see how the fans were going to be ushered in because we spent a good time on, on that yesterday. Um, and we know they were ushered out. I really d- didn't really pay attention to that. But I wanted to make my way through the arena last night. So during the two intermission periods, I got to make my way around. And uh, no one stopped me. So I got to go... Uh, visit my guy who who paid his uh, $1,200 for the tickets. He was sitting in Section 5 last night. So went down there, uh, got to visit a little bit, uh, hung around there. Double B was in the 204 last night because uh, he was there with uh, Trevor the referee. And uh, so got to spend a little bit of time up there. Uh, popped in the sweet mezzanine level, but that was really kind of empty. Uh, walked around the concourse. And got each hand. I don't know if I was supposed to do this, but no one stopped me, and they saw me. They let me through gates, you know, maybe because I had the media pass. I don't know, but but I really wanted to do that last night to check out the concession stands, to do that. And honestly, I was more interested in in that, in hearing the crowd, seeing what the crowd was was like, and and, and that sort of thing. So I don't know, kind of felt like a you know an investigative reporter last night. I just wanted to to kind of get a feel of the entire arena, and. Uh, then the game really started getting good because you know, we had a scoreless first period. And then... Uh, then the second period goes all over the place. Unbelievable, exactly. So scoreless first period. And then uh, Knights got the lead, led uh, you know one to nothing with 13 minutes uh, left in the second period. Then Minnesota scores two goals within two minutes and 16 seconds. Yeah, 66 seconds. E- exactly. And then you know, you know Vegas tie, uh, tie, tied it up uh, at that point in time. And uh, it was uh, crazy. So... Um, Yes, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights uh, were down two goals, down four to two, third period, and then uh, I think a lot of people, I don't know about you, Frank, watching it, thinking like, okay, this this isn't going well. Don't know if they're going to come back, but uh, with about uh, seven minutes to go uh, in the third period, it was time to light the lamp. Said the small picture, right? Usually the best picture. It's a real good play. You can see Stone, nice play by White Cloud off the wall and over to Hank for the one-timer. He gets all of that upstairs past Talbot, and it's a one-goal game with 7.20 remaining in the third. All right, so that goal made it 4-3, uh, four, four, and the Knights were on their way back. Yeah, and when they got that goal, I believe I tweeted out at that point that they were right back in it. 
I didn't understand what Minnesota was doing. We talk about this in every sport out there almost. When teams get a lead and they start playing that defensive style, they play not to lose. They let Vegas get a little bit of offensive mojo going. They let them get a rhythm. Minnesota didn't have a shot for over 11 minutes in that third period. They completely called off the offensive dogs. They were dumping it in and just changing lines, and it's great to have fresh bodies, but in my opinion, they let Vegas back in. Vegas showed a lot of fight. They showed a lot of heart. They got in the game, but that game was Minnesota's to lose, and they found a way to lose it. Cam Talbot isn't the greatest goalie in the world. That's why he was in Edmonton. That's why he was in Calgary. That's why he's bounced around a little bit. I didn't understand why they did that. Kudos to Vegas for taking advantage, but when Hay got that goal, I remember looking and, and just saying to myself, and I, like I say, I think I tweeted it out and texted a couple friends, I think Vegas is going to come back and win this game. Right. Minnesota took – it's not a light switch. You can't turn it on and off. They completely shut down their offense, and they did that intentionally. And you look at the second period compared to the third period where, like you said, you know, those four goals in the second period, you think, okay, this, this thing is over. And third period, that's they went the, the – dump it in the zone. You're right. I mean, it was totally a, a contrast from the way they played in the second period to the third period. And, again, we see it in football. We've seen it in basketball. We see it in sports all the time when you play not to lose. And bad things happen in that situation but still looked like that the wild was gonna hang on here and uh so when the clock got uh, under a minute and a half the golden knights pulled mark andre Fleury for the extra skater and then lo and behold here comes alex tuck with 42 seconds left petrangelo keeps it in high around the glass golden knights looking for one to tie it stole Petrangelo keeps it in. Real good job. Just Patrick, he throws it. It bounces the stone to the front of the net. And there's Tuck with the redirect. Up and over the left shoulder of Talbot. As the Golden Knights come back from down two in the third to tie it. To throw that, you know, onto the net, into the crease area there. And then the redirect by Alex Tuck. Just phenomenal goal. Well, you know... Alex Tuck is really starting to find his game. It's nice to see him in front of the net. Everybody loves his speed and power and size, and when he's making those net rushes and he is a good puck handler, I still believe if he's going to have the career that he's hoping to have and that the Golden Knights and the fan base wants him to have, he needs to be in front of the net more. I was happy to see him get there and get in that position, and make no mistake about it. Mark Stone was the number one star of the game for a reason. He had five assists. They weren't just assists. They were all the primary assists. Mark Stone, they could not have made a better choice to put that first captain C on somebody. He has taken that thing like a badge of honor. He leads the team on the ice. He's a cheerleader on the bench. He does everything that he's supposed to do. Mark Stone was sensational last night. Tuck was in the right place. Cody Glass was on the first goal. You know, Haig, that was maybe the weakest assist he had. All he did was was put it over to him, but he still did it timingly and set it up perfectly on a tee for him. Mark Stone was sensational. But those are the kind of goals that, in my opinion, Alex Tuck needs to get more of. Absolutely. When was the last time you saw a guy get five assists? It's been a long time. Uh, I know yeah. there's been one guy this year. I think it was Drysdale. I, mean, I can't recall. Drysdale had a six-assist game yeah. earlier yeah. this year for Edmonton, but of course they're a scoring machine, and 
Up in Canada, every team scores a ton. Right. But um, but no, I mean, Mark Stone has been sensational. He might never have another five-assist game. Then again, right. he might because he's that good. And the way Pacioretty's scoring and Tuck is scoring and the defensemen, and again, make no mistake about it, that other goal that we heard saw too with Haig, White Cloud to Stone to yeah. Tuck, White Cloud and Haig, have been a dynamic young duel, and they can be around for a long, long time. There may be the surprise, the pleasant surprise of the season for these guys because people wondered how how consistent and how deep they were going to be defensively. There's several nights when this is the best defensive pairing on the ice, and now they're both starting to find a little bit of their offensive game as well. Yeah. No, one of the reasons why the Golden Knights are have been phenomenal this year because of those two unsung guys. So we go into overtime, and I don't know about you, but just it just felt that okay, they're you know they got mojo on their side, they got the momentum, they're going to ride it in to the uh, extra session here. So it goes OT. Two minutes into it, Max Pacioretty says, "Game set match." To the near side boards, rubbed out by Pacioretty, and the puck to neutral ice. Stone looking to break by Greenway. Stone has Pacioretty with him. Stone looking to center it. Stone with a play by Patch ready to poke it past Greenway and patience by Stone. Spurgeon goes down, he waits, waits, and Patch ready between the legs of Talbot. He's in double digits, his 10th of the year, as the Golden Knights win it in overtime. Three unanswered goals by the Golden Knights, winning overtime 5 4. Of course, the uh, Golden Knights Television Network, uh, AT&T Sportsnet with the call there. Yeah, and Mark Stone is the best in the NHL at taking the puck away, creating stuff like that. And give credit to him, too, for having the patience. He was almost below the goal line when he made that pass. He kind of took away his own shooting lane, but he made sure that the defenseman overcommitted, dove for the puck, made sure that he could get it around him. Pacioretty knew what Stone was going to do. He charged the net. He put it in there perfectly. He waits a little bit longer. They don't even get a shot on goal because he's too far down, but he had the patience to know exactly when he could do it. And make no mistake about it, that goal was set up because Marc-Andre Fleury made some sensational saves right before that in that three-on-three. Flower didn't have his best game ever, but Marc-Andre Fleury, who's picked this team up on his back so many times this year and found a way to win for them, the team kind of had his back in this one. That's a nice thing because Fleury has lost a couple games. I, I know we lost one of the Anaheim games one to nothing. You give up one goal, you shouldn't lose a game. It was nice to see the team put Flower on their back and make up for a game that he didn't play right. his best instead of the other way around. If they can keep on doing that, and again, I, Minnesota, they're having a decent season. But they've always played Vegas tough. This was a big come-from-behind win. And Minnesota right now, I'm curious to see what we see tomorrow night because they've got to be reeling because they not only gave away two points because they should have had that game up 4-2, to two, they got one themselves, but they gave away two points to one of the two or three best teams in the division. Those points are very important. They still play each other seven more right. times. I'm curious to see what their mental state is because Vegas right now has it in their mind we can have an off night and still beat these guys. That's a big mental edge. I think Minnesota's going to kind of come out like gangbusters this next game. It was a real ugly second period for the Golden Knights and even Flurry. I mean, I think one, maybe two of those goals you put on him were his fault. But then again, just 
you know, the Knights not, not, not getting back and giving him any help as well, too. So, And it, it was, was the quick strike offense in Minnesota. Two goals in 66 seconds yeah. and then two goals in 19 seconds. Correct. Bang, bang, and all of a sudden they're looking around like, what just happened? Yeah. So there are people that were tweeting out last night saying, like, well, Marc-Andre Fleury, does he look tired? You know, that argument is coming, and you just kind of shake your head. But he, he gave up four goals against him last night, but they were able to get the win despite that. So that's usually not the case. But, uh, you know, that argument's going to be out there, So which begs the question, will Marc-Andre Fleury be in net tomorrow night? Or maybe is this the Oscar, Dan- or Oscar dance night? But then again, it's the Wild Expect a tough game, and again, you're playing the second-place team. These are the games you got to win to distance yourself between the first and second-place squads. Yeah, I mean, I have no problem if it is Oscar Dansk. I don't have a problem if it's Logan Thompson. I kind of want to see both of them and see what they can do. Both have played well for the Silver Knights when they've played. We know Oscar Dansk has had NHL experience and had success with this franchise. He still has the first shout-out in team history. That can never be taken away from him. We mentioned that yesterday. If Fleury needs a rest, then give him a rest. But, you know, if he does play tomorrow night, I think he's going to come back and he's going to really want to atone. I think he's really going to shut it down and he's going to be much harder to beat. That first goal, he had a mental lapse. He didn't control the puck. He allowed them to score. Then he was a little bit rattled. But, again, the team also didn't play well. The second goal, I believe it was because nobody on the Vegas Golden Knights could clear the puck out of the zone. Right. Minnesota had it down there forever, just skating around and around. It was almost like if the, even if you ice the puck, get it out and stop play, they didn't do it. So, yeah, Flurry didn't play his best game, but the team picked themselves up, and they won a game that maybe they shouldn't have won. Victory last night. Front of the 2,600 fans. Oh, and the, and the gold helmets got a victory. They're now one and two. Oh, they're still ugly, though. I know. I know. <laughs> they should take all those helmets and use them for cereal bowl madness. You tip them upside down, put the cereal in the milk, and then eat them and get rid of them. There we go. Let, let's, put our win, let's put our winning cereal in the Golden Knights helmet. Nupchuck, get on that. Instead of go. the gold medal, you're the gold helmet winning cereal. Hey, I know. It's, that was probably the worst thing that happened with those helmets, that they got a victory now. Because, you know, that was the thing. It's like, oh, they can't win with them. I want to thank Heidi Fang for joining us. Also, Trevor Maddich. Go to the website. Check it all out. What would you say, Frank? Today we covered Terrible Tuesday. We went everything from, what, cocks to cakes? We covered a lot of distance. We did. <laughs> we went deep, my friend. There you go. If you missed any part of this award-winning show, go to the website, tcbartonshow.com. Tomorrow, the big seven-footer's in the house. He's here all week. Friday, the Cosmopolitan. And uh, you never know what to expect there. There you go. Having some fun. He's going to be after you for that soup. (laughs) For VGK Frank Nubchuck, TC said so long. We'll catch you tomorrow at 2.